G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you on a Monday evening, hope uh, Monday itis didn't hit you too hard. NFL action is in the books for week five, so I'm going to touch on that a little bit. Another Fry's Fast 15. I've done this a little bit in the past, but I don't know if I'm going to cover five topics every week. There's only a couple of things on the agenda this week, but basically 15 minutes of a trip around the sporting world, touching on all the important bits and pieces. So, like I said, there's a bit of NFL stuff to get to. Uh, the NBA season's nearly here. We're less than a fortnight away from that. And the AFL trade period is almost winding down. So let's dive into some of the big headlines around the world. First thing I want to touch on, I want to talk about the Draymond Green punch. Now, the video dropped after Jayla and I recorded our podcast Friday evening, and it didn't look pretty for Draymond. And I think it's going to have some ripple effects for the rest of the season through that Warriors team. It's pretty interesting to, it will be pretty interesting to just see how that whole situation plays out. Obviously, Draymond has since apologized, said he's taking a little bit of time away from the team, indefinite leave, it's been called. I don't expect him to miss any games unless of course the dubs do suspend him uh the dust has kind of settled and believe what you want but dre was clearly out of line i i think they should ban him for at least a couple of games i mean he clocked jordan paul in the face i'm sure everyone listening to this has seen the video but the bloke just went out there and straight up punched his teammate so it's happened in the league before and i know that there's a lot being made about the contract situation between draymond green and potentially Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is coming off his rookie deal at the end of this year. Draymond has a player option worth about $27 million, which I don't think he should turn down, to be honest. I don't know who's going to give him 30-plus annually, but there might be a team out there. You never know. Going into the next couple of seasons, they've got some big money committed as well. Obviously, they've re-signed Steph Curry. He's going to be worth a lot. This year, they've got over 60% of their salary cap uh, committed to Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins. And I don't know if, I don't know if keeping Draymond's the right move. I know he's been quintessential to those Warriors championship teams. And I know that he is literally the cultural leader. He's the emotional leader. They wouldn't have won four rings without him. But for the long-term play, re-signing Jordan Poole wakes way more sense. He's younger. The dude, like I said, is just about to come off his rookie deal. He's only 23 compared to Draymond Green's 32. I wouldn't be shocked though if, you know, there's, I initially said that I think Draymond will be traded. I think he'll be dealt and there's no if, buts or what's about it. But I wouldn't be stunned to see this kind of just filter out and die down a little bit. I don't know if he'll be dealt this season. It might lead into him turning down his player option and signing somewhere else next year, a team that wants to commit a bag to him. But that culture at Golden State is obviously one of the top tier cultures in the NBA. So I don't think this is going to have dramatic effects on their potential to win a chip. I still think that they're right up there as a contender, but it does have some effect. Draymond has had these little outbursts before, none as publicized and as big as this in the past, but I wouldn't be shocked if we do see the dust kind of settle, like I've said, a bit at Golden State and a couple of months into the season, Paul and Draymond are buddy-buddy and the team is all galvanizing around the potential of winning another championship. There's no reason why Golden State should re-sign him to a massive deal. Like I said, I know he's paid his dues and been a great servant of the club, but there's other dudes on that roster that I think probably deserve a little bit more of the attention. Andrew Wiggins, he's going to be 
a free agent by the end of this year as well. So maybe they choose to keep him. He was obviously crucial in their success in the finals last year. So that whole scenario will be one of the big storylines to watch in the 2022-23 season. Maybe Draymond does get traded though. Maybe the Kings or the Pistons or I don't know, I'm spitballing some names, the Lakers. Maybe one of those teams makes a play at Dray and hopes that he can have a positive impact and propel them either into a playoff or championship potential scenario. But I wouldn't be shocked if we look back at this a couple of weeks, months from now, and we're kind of like, oh yeah, remember when Draymond punched Jordan Poole in the preseason? It becomes a bit of a nothing story. Transitioning now into NFL, like I said, the majority of the week five slate is in the books. We've still got the Chiefs and the Raiders squaring off on Monday night football, Tuesday morning, Aussie time. And that'll be a bloody good game. I'm still picking the Chiefs and I think that they should cruise against the Raiders. I don't have a lot of faith in Las Vegas, but there were some pretty big storylines emerging from a ripper weekend of NFL footy. Obviously the Giants and the Packers went to London to square off in the London series games. And I, I'll be honest, I nearly bet on the Packers. I thought they were going to win, but credit to New York. They're four and one right now. And they've, they've won some games they've needed to. Brian Dayball as the head coach there has been a dramatic change to the whole New York culture. I think getting Saquon Barkley healthy as well has had a massive positive impact, but I do wonder, like, I don't think that they're a true contender. I don't think I'd put them up in that category. I don't think anyone with half a brain would though, to be honest, but I could see this team maybe eking into a playoff berth. You know, they've already got four wins. Let's say nine and eight this year gets you the last spot in the NFC playoffs. They could, they only have to win five games from here on out. And they've shown that their defense and Saquon doing everything on offense has worked up to this point. So there's no reason why that won't work. And I think again, Brian Dayball being promoted as the head coach has had a massive impact on that franchise. Speaking of head coaches, I wouldn't be shocked if by the time you're listening to this, we see a couple of firings. Uh, Matt Rule is well and truly on the hot seat in Carolina. Part of it, he is to blame, but the quarterback play has just been atrocious during his tenure in Carolina. So it'd be a, a, be a bit of a bummer if he did lose his job there. As a Panthers fan myself, I feel like he's done good things, but geez, the Panthers have been shithouse. And again, quarterback play is a big result of that. Baker Mayfield has not been the bloke that we all thought he could potentially become in Carolina, the best version of himself. And they got smoked by the Niners, 37 to 15. Christian McCaffrey was running around doing his thing, but I wouldn't be shocked if that loss or potentially a loss in week six cost Matt Rule his job. Similar could be said for Ron Rivera in Washington. The commanders also slipped to one and four after losing to Tennessee. And Ron Rivera, another ex-Panthers coach, he's all right, like the bloke. But I think he's, you know, the commanders are looking very second rate. So I don't love his job security potentially in Washington. If I had a gun to my head and I had to pick one of the two who get fired first, I think I'd side with rule, but don't be shocked if before we hit the midpoint of the season, both those blokes are out maybe in the back half of the year and the front office will give them a little bit more leeway, but I do expect both those dudes to be out relatively soon, at least by the time we're rounding the corner and nearing gearing up for the playoffs playoff teams are, there's probably not a lot you can take away in week five when you're looking ahead to the postseason. But the Miami Dolphins are one team that I was really high on going into this season and they stumbled. Actually, they didn't really even stumble. They got smashed in some context to the New York Jets who aren't world beaters themselves. But credit to them, hung 40 points on Miami and the quarterback play in Miami continues to be a talking point. And mainly because the factors, they might not have 
a viable QB1 or QB2 next week. Teddy Bridgewater got hurt after copping a hit early in this game as well. Tua Tagovailoa has obviously had his concussion issues that have been very well documented and in the forefront of a lot of NFL fans' minds throughout this season. So I won't be shocked if we kind of turn around and we see that by the time we get to the, uh, let's call it midway point of the season, Tua's still not playing, Teddy's not playing great, and Miami has kind of cost himself a spot at a playoff berth. But again, credit to the Jets. A couple of other quick-hitting things. The roughing the passer call... Uh, against Tom Brady was pretty bullshit, but the Bucks are a good team. Don't make no mistake. They're three and two, and I do expect them to be around when the pointy end of the season arrives, but Atlanta deserved a shot to potentially win that. They got themselves right back into the game. It was 21 to zero at uh, three quarter time. And then the Falcons came roaring back, but wasn't meant to be also shout out to the Eagles still undefeated. And Jalen hurts is doing a lot on and off the ground. You know, he's using his legs to get to scoring positions. I think I saw something earlier about how he's now got the most rushing touchdowns by a QB in his first 25 starts, surpassing Cam Newton. So fantasy goldmine, that bloke, I'll unpack how JLo and I went in fantasy next uh, podcast, aiming to do a midweek, a Wednesday pod. And we'll talk about how the Saquon, the chef and Alshon Jeffrey boys are going. But before I wrap up, I want to touch on the AFL trade period. Some pretty massive deals went down today. Sam Wiedemann seems like he might be going to the Dons for a potential third, which is, you know, a solid move. Essendon need a defender, though, and that until they get some other key position backman, I don't really want to talk about the Dons. Rankin to the Crows, that's not nothing. Great get for Adelaide. Performer of could form a potential pretty lethal partnership up forward with him and Rochelle. They got Phil Thorpe a year before that. So kind of like what the Crows are doing, but obviously... Luke Jackson to the Dockers was one of the big ones. He has been a well-talked-about name for the last six to 12 months, and Fremantle got their man. They may have paid slight overs. I mean, giving up your first and second next year plus pick 13 this year is a lot, but getting pick 44 back is solid, and they've got the Ruse concession picks rolling into next draft, so they're not too bare in the cupboard of the 2023 draft class. But I think getting Luke Jackson in the door was a move that they had their heart set on for a while and Melbourne kind of played them smartly to pay a bit over. But, you know, Luke Jackson's now a docker. I'm not disappointed. Hopefully he can carve out an unreal career in purple and be a crucial part of Fremantle's first premiership side. But the big talking point in the AFL trade world was the four-team mega deal that saw Jason Horn, Francis and Junior Rioli go to Port Adelaide. There was a lot of pick shuffling in the process. I think there was four or five futures traded hands and then obviously pick one, two and three all moved around a bit as well. GWS, now the proud owners of pick one. I'd be shocked if they didn't take Aaron Cadman with that pick. He looks like a pretty game-changing type of forward. I didn't watch a shitload of him throughout the under-18 championships, but I did watch him in the um, title game against Vic Metro and he looks unreal for Vic country. So I do expect Cadman to be the first name called out in the draft and North copped a bit of flack for dishing out pick one and Horn Francis and getting, uh, let's call it unders or some people view as unders as a, a return, but pick two and three, they could pick two really good midfielders and have a pretty uh, stellar young nucleus there. Jai Simpkin, I think will be their next skipper and he's going to, be a great leader in that midfield. They've got good dudes to learn from as well, like Benny Cunnington, Alastair Clarkson. Maybe he's coaching, maybe he's not, but getting pick two and three is big for North and it will help them. And they got a couple of extra picks in it. They got the future first from Port Adelaide, pick 40 and pick 43. So solid move for North. From a West Coast Eagles standpoint, it does 
does puzzle me a little bit that they wanted to go back from two to eight and 12, but clearly they've got their eyes set on at least one WA talent, potentially even two. Jed Boslinger, I'm sure I'm butchering his last name, is one guy who's been well talked about. Maybe with eight, they go at him. Maybe they look for him at 12. Not a terrible shout though. They also got Port Adelaide's uh, future second and future third in the deal. So to trade out Rioli pick two, and pick 40 and essentially secure four draft picks, including two in the top 12 this year in return. I like it. GWS, I know that they were going for the number one pick and that's what they got, but it is somewhat puzzling to see that they gave up three, 12 and a future second from Collingwood. I know that they've got a slew of picks and they've got 18, 19, maybe 16 as well still, or 15. One of them may be going to, uh, to Hawthorne in exchange for Jager O'Meara. That's a rumor that surfaced, surfaced recently, but with less than 48 hours to go in the trade period, there's still a lot of dominoes that need to fall. Will Dunkley get to Brisbane? We're not really sure about what's happening with Brody Grundy now. Maybe he does stay at the Pies. Speaking of the Pies, do they make a play at Fiorini? Do they get Tom Mitchell? Does Ollie Henry end up going out the door and going to Geelong? So there's still a lot to unfold. And as I said before, JLo and I will unpack that on Wednesday's pod, but I'll be very intrigued to watch the trade landscape in the next two days. All right, that's it. Short and sweet. Like I said, under 15 minutes. I will be back for the hump day scheduled programming with the great man himself. Big article that I'm working on from an NBA context as well. We'll be talking a lot about that, I reckon, on the podcast, JLo and I. And we'll be looking ahead to the season that is coming up. Less than 10 days, roughly, I think, until opening night. So I'm getting excited. Do love having basketball back in my life. And by the time we hit the air, we will know the entire uh, deals that have been uh, agreed to in the trade period as well. So thanks for tuning in till next time. Peace.